Good evening to our listeners on Radio Sega, and hello if you're listening at some other time of day on some other device. Here we are, live and in colour, from the blue skies of the Sega side. It's those Sega guys. If you don't know me by now, I'm down the Mega Driver, and with me is my ever-present colleague, the Pepperucho to my Craig Sadler. It's James the Sega Halleck. How you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm good, mate. This is crazy after all these times doing these episodes by audio that were kind of actually speaking to each other you know, on this lovely video format so I, I, I'm I good mate, how's yourself? Yeah, not too bad mate, not too bad just uh, taking another delivery from the land of Nippon, just trying to sort through all that at the moment some to I, keep, some to, some to sell yeah. my wife wasn't too pleased <laughs> Oh I will uh, You seem to kind of pick up these bargain bundles mate, it's uh, some some gems in there, was that the, the one that the couple of copies of Seaman in it? There was. Uh, one's got a microphone, one hasn't though, so uh so I'm looking to move one on. So probably probably not gonna get too much for that when I sell that, but uh no it's good. I've got Seaman and Riven and a couple of others that I've been after. NBA Jam on the Sun. Love Is that NBA the Jam. Tournament edition? That's it, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Inspired yeah. by Pandas documentaries as well <laughs> I actually uh, I actually got it before I watched that one of Pandas but uh, I'm glad I've got it now so I reckon it's the best version it's not buggy like the, uh, the PS1 one is the players that foul you every five minutes no cracking version that mate cracking I mean that's the thing you get these packages in and then that's how you justify it to the good lady you say look it cost me this much <laughs> go on eBay find something but look what this bit's worth and I'm going to sell it <laughs> it's like <laughs> Yeah, to try and try and mitigate some of those costs, but <laughs> that would be the last one of those I get for a while. But anyway, how's you, mate? Ah, not bad. I've been messing about with with Model Three and Model Two emulators the last kind of few yeah. days. Um, Twitter's been going a bit mental as a result of it. Um, I had a kind of funny exchange with um, Carl Lavery as well earlier on because yeah. he's a kind of the go-to guy for the, the kind of supermodel stuff, um, supermodel three, no supermodel guys like that. <laughs> you got to be careful what you're typing into the search bar when you're looking at model three emulators. Mate, you're not on, by the way. <laughs> Especially if you mistype it and miss out the three, it's like, oh, go to, go to images expecting to see Daytona and scud, scud racing. It's like scantily clad ladies. Like, oh, no, wait a minute. <laughs> search history delete delete um, but now I, uh, he was giving me a bit of advice on it because the laptop I've got here it's, it's a good few years old but it obviously does a, a better job than what my my old kind of netbook that I was using to record the audio podcast does so I thought you know oh, that managed to do a reasonable job with the, the Model 3 stuff so I thought I would give it a go with uh, with this one and um, I, I turned the, the power PC frequency there's a slider bar on the kind of graphic interface on it and you leave it at 50 and everything seems to run okay that if you run into bother you can kind of up the frequency but for some reason with Daytona and Scud Race if you drop the frequency to 40 it literally just goes mental it's like hyperspeed versions <laughs> so I was like I'm playing like Daytona 2 earlier and I'm like whoa this is like 
eye bleedingly fast. Um, <laughs> so I know it was really good. So I've been playing a bit with that. Um, Virtue Fighter 3 played that earlier as well before we came on air. Um, and as I says to you, my Genki defense force has only been strengthened after <laughs> after playing it. I'm sorry, I think they're pretty damn close to Dreamcast Port of TV and, and the vanilla yeah. VF3. So um, I was sitting there. I know you can see the individual fingers a bit better, and there's a bit more kind of bulkiness to clothes and stuff like that. But man, side by side, they're really good. So aye, that's what I've been up to, mate. Yeah, I've been uh, loving the Model 3 stuff. Finally inspired me to sort my emulator out. Here when I went and checked in. Version 0.1a, when was that released? Oh, 2011. Well, maybe that's why it's not running well. So yeah, I've got the upgrade <laughs> on that and uh, been enjoying a bit, of, a bit of Scud Race, a bit of Virtual Fighter 3 TB and a, and a bit of Daytona. Um, took a bit of messing around with the INI file and to get it all running. Aye. Um, but uh, yeah, I've had Scud Race tunes in my head. Didn't help that you were playing them on Radio Sega earlier today. <laughs> I have to say, I, I like the fact that you know you had you had put the the virtual on. She's lost control, and then by chance I had put the Daytona two request in, and they were just sitting there back to back, currently playing by Super D. Up next by the Sega Holic. I'm like, oh, we're taking over, yeah. mate. <laughs> <laughs> Not helping the fact that I tweeted out, we're taking over, and then I checked my phone, and you went, mate, we're taking over. I'm like, <laughs> the hive mind. The hive mind at it again, I know, and here we are again, taking over Radio Sega at least for an hour or two. <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. <laughs> but uh, got a good episode on us today with uh, a follow-up to our Sega Saturn years, as we said, mate. Couldn't get everything we wanted into one episode. We talked a lot about the history, didn't we? But uh, we didn't talk about the games an awful lot. Yeah, as we said when we recorded that show, mate, if we had actually done the, the games on there, I mean, I think we went for like a good hour and 45, 50 minutes as it was, I think, if yeah. we had tried to fit the games in there, we would have <laughs> gone for a good three, three and a half hours probably, so um, I we made the decision that we were going to, you know, just take the games out, focus on them on a separate show and kind of do like a, a launch a launch review um, as a kind of separate, I think it's a good idea as well, because it lets us kind of drill down a wee bit and obviously talk about those in a bit more detail. Yeah, and uh, I think the thing is, it's it's the we say this is the Western launch lineup. Obviously, the the US and the power launches were very similar, but over here we only got the four games, whereas in the US they got six. Yeah, and they got a biggie before yeah, a good couple of months before us. Also, Panzer Dragoon was a launch title in the US, yeah. but we didn't get it until August. You know, know. so we were made to wait for that one. Um, <laughs> but I very similar launches, but kind of help but think again. You know why? Why was Panzer Dragoon not there? It was all the kind of work was done. The subtitles were all on there for the cutscenes. Just like another bizarre reason. I don't know why they wouldn't yeah. have that as a launch title here. I know it's a PAL version, isn't it? So all they had to do was the PAL conversion. But as you That's say, mate, the um, the actual translation and all that effort had already been done. So why it didn't actually make the launch lineup over here is anyone's guess. You know, maybe if they actually just delayed it a bit. <laughs> As everyone I will, seems to say, I will. Technically, it wasn't released late. It actually came out early. If we're going to use the original September launch, <laughs> so <laughs> um, try to kind of twist it a wee bit. But I, some some decent games in there. A, a kind of a mixed bunch. Something for everybody. A bit of sports, a bit of platform, a bit of fighting, a bit of driving. Um, obviously, we've got a very legendary golf game to to talk about <laughs> as well. Um, so, I mate, it's going to be a good one. It is, it is. So I think 
I've got these on here in no particular order. I think in my head, this is probably from best, from worst to best. <laughs> so uh, I think... Uh, probably, I would say that, yep. Yeah, so I, I think would we'll agree start, with that. Yeah, so I think we'll start with the uh, the wooden spoon then. And for me, that's that's good old, good old Pe- Pebble Beach. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the only... The only launch title I don't have a PAL copy of. I've got all the others. Aye. I've got PAL versions for all the others. But uh, for this one, I um, I have uh, only got the Japanese cap- copy. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, Pebble Beach Chiso no Sadler. Challenge Sadler is the is the subtitle of the Japanese version. With Challenge uh, Sadler, like Challenge <laughs> Annika into it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Challenge Sadler. Hey, good old Craig Sadler. Yeah, he's uh, he's dubbed dubbed brilliantly in this as well. His Japanese voice actor is uh, superb. Lip syncing is fantastic, and uh, there's nothing <laughs> like uh, seeing him go. It's uh, Craig Sadler at the the beginning of every <laughs> every hole. Brilliant stuff. But uh, the walrus, the walrus in danger. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, have you played much of this one, mate? Because uh, I hadn't before I got that. That import disc. No, I mean again, it's on my Fenrir, and I have had a shot of it only because of kind of like previous like launch window kind of reviews. Like obviously, Classic Gaming Quarterly's done one. Um, it was obviously like Panda did his own kind of bit on it as well. Um, so it was on there. I think it was a T kind of touched on the the Japanese audio part of it as well. But I mean, it's it's, it's very much a a golf game of its time. It reminds me very much. I remember playing PGA Tour. This is me really showing my age now, right? This is bad. But whenever, tangent time, video <laughs> tangent, here we go. <laughs> but uh, we used to, uh, in, in secondary school, we had like um, a class called Office Information Studies, right? But nobody did any work because the, the Macs, they all had PGA Tour golf <laughs> installed on them, right? <laughs> so basically, we just used to sit and play that. And I always remember the fact that like you had that big swing meter that would go up and you had to yeah. time your click of the mouse at the top and then time your click of the mouse at the bottom and the characters were kind of almost like digitised on um, and that's very much the way this is. It's, it's a very, very mid to early 90s golf game. But actually, it's not bad. I mean, it's only got one course, right? Pebble Beach, as the name suggests, but it's, it's actually a bit of fun. You know, I mean, you can imagine back then if you're looking for a, a golf game, and you were a bit of a golfer, and you picked up a Saturn, you would have enjoyed it. You know, I think it's it's about a good fun. Yeah, do you know, the, the digitised graphics, I think it's fine. You can look at them now, and they may look a bit crude. But I think back in the time, if you, especially me playing it on a CRT, you can kind of see what they were doing. And I do love the little details in there. I love the way that, uh, you know, the characters move, and you get up and you motion over to your caddy, and then you select the club, <laughs> and the caddy gets it out of the bag. Um and I know it's not the ball doesn't move in real time. Well, the ball moves in real time, but the camera doesn't move in real time, so it just sort of aye. cuts. But I think that looks more like a kind of televised That's right, presentation aye. because you haven't got ball, you haven't got cameras that follow the ball. It's not like uh, Tiger Woods, you know, the recent ones where you get to control the ball in midair by hitting the button aye. and it follows it. Bum- bumpers and triggers and try to add yeah. spinning all that. To it. It's like yeah. I, it's like it seems a bit bizarre, isn't it? Because you would think you would control. <laughs> It's, it's not a remote-controlled golf ball that you're using, but <laughs> it feels like, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, when you play golf, you, you use the club and the stance and the lie and the loft of the club to dictate 
your your spin. So if you take a bigger divot, if you hit further back in the ball, if you hit, you know, then you can take a bigger divot and add your spin and whatnot. But Tiger Woods is quite funny. The the balls in the air, it's like pure eagle eye following this ball, and you're like <laughs> bumpers, bumpers, move the sticks, and these wee arrows are going over your ball like that yeah. as it's going through there. It's like what's going on here? It's like you know, sigh. This is more like a kind of old school BBC television, you know, it's like you hit the ball yeah. and that's it. There's no, there's no lines getting drawn to show where it's going or anything <laughs> like that as well. But that's it. Aye, that's good. Yeah. I think it looks I think it looks decent. You know, nineteen ninety-five, you can kind of tell it is a game of his era. Aye, very definitely. much following on from Mortal Kombat NBA Jam with the sort of presentation that it's going for. Um it does have a bit of 3D polygonal stuff in there because it's made by the Virtual Hydlide developers who actually use uh, that, very, that very same he- engine to make Virtual Hydlide. Now you've said that, you can, and in your head, you can actually see like, the, the layout of the course, what they use for the kind of trees and the foliage and the crowd and stuff. I Very similar. You can see the engine being used. Yeah. Um, and for the golf game, I think it's, I think it's decent, but uh, at least graphically. Uh, control-wise, I had a few issues with it. I'm going to be honest, mate. I still don't know how to actually work it. So my tactic, <laughs> my tactic now, right, is I press the button to start the swing, and then when the swing comes down, I hit B and C together really fast because I don't know what button it is that. Actually... <laughs> <laughs> if you know, mate, please tell me. <clears throat> um, I've not played it that long, mate. I couldn't tell you honestly. No. But that, that's hey, if all else feels just hit everything at once, you know, yeah. what I mean that's that. <laughs> Um, that's the only thing I tried B pressing B I tried pressing C I tried pressing BC only thing that works is athlete kings yeah <laughs> going at the same time um, and when you're trying but, to get that little sliver right at the bottom of the dial it's uh, it's not it's not made for precision so no. uh, I've been through I've been through the 18 twice playing like that um, and yeah it's, the game's not bad but it's not that's not the ideal way to play you know, I'd, going back to something like PGA Tour Golf on the Mega Drive, you know, a lot, lot more basic and obviously more primitive visually, but I think a lot more playable. Plus, I, think I kind EA, of like... I think EA as well, I think, obviously, they, they had the controls for the sports games nailed down on the Mega Drive, you know what I mean? If you look yeah. across all of them, FIFA, NHL, Madden, they had, they had that kind of stuff nailed down as well, you know what I mean, the sports games. Yeah, yeah, definitely in that era. Plus, I do quite like the tranquil birds tweeting silence in uh, PJ. Always made me feel relaxed about it. Whereas in this, you've got you've got the walrus hanging over over you, and you know he's a, it's a lot better than me. <laughs> Aye, I mean the the music in this game as well is hilarious. You know, it's it's, it's proper it's proper elevator music, isn't it? It's it, is, like, it is, yeah. Sixth floor, please. <laughs> it's like, Oh, jeez. And then, then, of course, you've got... Lovely shot right down the middle. <laughs> uh, you've got the course previews as well, as I say, yeah. before we started recording. It is really good that it gives you a really detailed map of the course and it lets you see bunkers and foliage and rough and that. The only problem is it's the, the golf ball bouncing down the course is the size of a, a beach ball, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like... In the course, I'm like, wow. It's like yeah. overemphasising the, the best route to take, you know, it's mental but again for this time does a job I, I think so I mean I'll give it I, I'd give it probably a five or a six out of ten you know I think it's it's 
it's it's good enough, you know. I feel I know there's the um the feeling that anything under under eight or seven's crap, but I think you know it's it's a pretty pretty average game. Does it does enough for me? I think the control things let it, lets it down as far as I'm concerned, but uh, right. it's still decent enough. It's like um I don't know we've, we've talked about it more a lot recently, but Panda's review on on it. He's talking about the uh, the actual going to actual Pebble Beach is like six hundred dollars or something, and this game costs like twenty quid. So, <laughs> aye, you know, it's just, it's as good as be there if you squint. You know, it's like <laughs> by Big Craig Sandler. You know, his first course is a par four, relatively <laughs> easy. If you hit the fairway, you've got a good run at the green. Your second, if you hit the rough, you ain't got a chance. <laughs> it's like, uh, cheers, Craig. <laughs> relatively easy. Here uh, I am with a triple triple bogey. <laughs> mate, last time, I, I sing, talking about golf, right? Last time, another tangent. Last time, I, I gave up golf in 2008, right? Because basically, I was in a bit of competition because one of my mates at the time, somebody I don't really see anymore, but um, he was a big golfer and I kind of got in competition with him. So I used to buy like, the best of golf gear and I went on golf lessons and all this kind of stuff, right? And uh, obviously, I wasn't very good. Right, so up the driving range, I was I was superb, right? But uh, long story short, went and played Carnoustie for my stag do, right? 2000 and 2008, and uh, took three packs, uh, Titleist Pro V1 balls. I came back with one, mate. That, co- <laughs> that course destroyed me. Um, I, I sold my golf clubs the next week. I went, I'm done. Um, I'm out of here. <laughs> So I've I've not played golf for that long. So the closest I'm just going to stick to to Mister Sadler's advice and <laughs> the the video game world. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're feeling like you're getting a walk through for Pebble Beach anyway when he does his little intro videos. That's it, mate. It's on holiday with a Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, mate. Right. Next, I've got on my list is Victory Goal, which I think in the US was. Worldwide soccer, worldwide soccer, international victory goal. I had a pure, massive, long title that yeah. they gave it. Oh, over there, um, right? We were just victory goal. We got it over here. I remember my uncle actually rented this for Blockbuster. Oh, really? Aye, uh, it was one of the games he rented for Blockbuster. I remember. Yeah, do you know what? I I like it a lot. I've got to be honest. It's it feels like it's quick, arcade like, and and you know, easy to pick up. Um, it took a while to get into the to actually suss it out. Um, I got I scored had the most success by just punting it at the keeper who just pumped it out <laughs> into my player's head and just dink it in afterwards. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's only twelve teams, which feels a bit light. But aside from that, you know, I know it's all two D as well because it's all two D sprites. That's and, right. Um, I don't know if the the stadiums are fully polygonal. I think I think this pitch is like VDP two infinite planes or something. But uh, I don't know. What do you think of this one? See again the kind of <clears throat> excuse me the kind of precursor obviously to to what we would get with worldwide soccer ninety seven and ninety eight and those games yeah. kind of built on it. Um, not too sure about playing it with that rock theme that that you can turn off. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit a bit OTT. But again, I it's it's good fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. You can lunge into tackles and crack people, and you know, yeah. referee, <laughs> you know, good old style eighties football. You know, it's a but a flesh wound. You know, up you yeah. get, leaving a booking. But no, it's it is, it's good, good fun. 
I enjoyed it. As I say, Monko, I remember he rented this one. I always remember Blockbuster gave you the wee kind of wee chunky white CD style cases that they put discs oh, in. Oh, yeah. yeah. The wee crappy instruction sheet stuck in the, the left-hand side of it. <laughs> um, but I don't need that. I could figure it out myself. Um, but no, it's it's good. I, I, again, it does what it says in the tin. You know, it's light on teams, as you say. You know, but in terms of kind of visual style, it's bright, it's colourful, it's loud. You know, if you like that rock theme, you can, you know, score goals to that if you like but I think it's a really really good game you know for, for what it is it's a, it's a good fun football game I think if you have again at launch if you're looking for a game of football if you were somebody who you know obviously had a lot of friends over like to play you know maybe FIFA and the, the Mega Drive or something similar you're looking for that kind of experience in the home again then I think you'd have picked it up I think it's a, a good bit of fun does it take itself too seriously yeah I think graphically it's pretty impressive because you think of when that's coming out um, there's not an awful lot else out there. You've got your 16-bit FIFAs on your SNES and Mega Drive. I think 96 came out on the SNES and Mega Drive. FIFA 96 on the 32X is an absolute dog's dinner. It's a nightmare. <laughs> um, and then you've got FIFA 96 on the Saturn and PlayStation, which is basically just a port of FIFA on the 3DO. And that, like uh, International Aye. Victory, like International Victory Goal, it just uses. 2D spikes on a, on a 3D pitch, but it seems to run. Victory goal seems a lot faster and it seems a lot more fluid. I don't know if FIFA runs at like half frame rate or something. Uh, I, I mean, I remember again. Was that was FIFA '96 the Saturn the one that came in the stupidly chunky big case? Yep. Because because that that's the that's the bugger there. <laughs> that's the, that's right the there. one. That's it. Aye, right there. <laughs> Because, uh, again, I remember my uncle picking that up back in the day. And uh, I it definitely runs slow. I always found the controls in, on that FIFA 96 on the, the Saturn you were kind of like fighting with. It never yeah. quite felt really fluid. Whereas Victory Goal is quite snappy control-wise. Yeah. It's, you know, whenever you're hitting a button, you're getting a response. But I always found with FIFA, you, like, there was always a delay. It felt like you were kind of fighting against it. Um, so, comparison to that, I definitely, it's a, it's a far better experience. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else around at that point that's as graphically comparable, to be honest. Thinking about it now, Victory Goal, it's it's quick. It runs at a decent lick. As you say, Snappy is exactly what I was going to say, mate. It doesn't overcomplicate things. I mean, FIFA 96 is when they start introducing God knows how many extra buttons, whereas this has only got the three. Um, <laughs> I do, and honestly, mate, you're saying it just now, I do like the uh, extra lenient referees. Because I was going oh, around trying to trying to tap the ball off the opposition. I thought, you know, I'm just going to go in and poleaxe him. <laughs> Mate, that, that's that's the era of football we grew up in. You know, none of this, <laughs> none of this VAR nonsense in a way getting booked, getting booked for breathing on somebody. No, just smack. That's it. Take the ball. <laughs> the old rule. I got the I got the ball, ref. I got the ball. I mean, the guy's legs and tatters, but I got the ball first. So no, good fun. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've put a score on this one, mate. I've, put, I've given it a seven. Uh, I know. Do you know? What? I don't think this. You know, it's a sign of things to come. I think this is probably the second second from bottom at uh, this launch lineup. But I feel think it's a it's a decent game, really quick as well in terms of like load times. I didn't notice any at all. It's almost like a cartridge game in a way, because you know you choose your gate teams. I know there's probably not much data on the disc and. You know, that's probably its biggest flaw is that there's only the 12 teams. You've got exhibition, league, and playoff modes. But when you're only doing it against the 12 teams, it gets a bit, 
Yeah. Whereas obviously FIFA at the time, you know, I think we could both agree that it wasn't great to play, but it had tons of content in there. Aye, anyway, I think the, the fact players. Aye, exactly. You had the licenses in there. If you wanted to play a full season, you could play a full season. You know, it's that that kind of so you had the kind of the trade off if you wanted the depth and the kind of realism, then you could go for the FIFA aspect. But if you wanted the kind of the fun arcade, typical Sega, you know, experience, then victory goal. But I mean, even the the sticking out the scoreboards, the reanimations <laughs> yeah. when you score a goal, you know, and again they carried through all. I was going to say, Game of Cycles, didn't it? Aye, you know, get goal. <laughs> 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 oh, they were superb. I like like uh, Gary Bloom does them in the later ones. Oh he? man, <laughs> that must be a spot kick, mate. It's in the halfway oh. line. It's like you know. So, love- yes, that makes it clear now. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to let this one fly some distance, shooting from about 10 yards out. <laughs> See, the thing is, again, I remember like, back then, whenever it was a kind of PlayStation and Saturn kind of guys in school, and they had the first ISS, right? And like the commentator in international superstar soccer, the first one was dreadful. Like, the guy had the same seven or eight lines. I always remember if he cleared it with a, a header, wow, that boy's got a steel skull. <laughs> I'm like, you must have heard that about 40 times in the match. If he just jumped up and headed it clear, it was like the same line. You know, so it's like, ah. Oh. Uh, commentary's the, uh, come a long way. It has, mate. I'll tell you what, the N64 version was even worse for commentary um, because obviously Aye. it was on a cartridge. So oh, there's obviously course. less space for them. So it was literally must have been literally about ten lines, and uh, the most the most <laughs> the one that came up most often was he's had a crack, he's had a crack, and of course we're all we're all teenagers at the time. For every time we said it, we're going, he's had some crack, he's had some crack. <laughs> I sat and see see once you hear it, that's it. it is, <laughs> in your mind, that's what it says, you know. So it's it's like you know ban. And fighting vipers. <laughs> Your mama's crap. <laughs> That's all I hear now. Your mama's crap. Is, That's it. And Kellick as well. Cook my pizza today. <laughs> Cook my pizza today. All right, cool, mate. Just, you heard it when you were a you were a teenager when you heard it. So that's it. That, that's what it is. <laughs> but yeah, mate. Do you know what? Yeah, this came out before FIFA as well. So I think solid football game. Sort of football game. I mean, we only had FIFA '95 from other 2D games, and so this is for me. This is a, a banging early football game. Obviously, it became a bit redundant when uh, Worldwide Soccer came '97 came out, which, to my mind, one of the greatest football games ever made. But uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about those when we when we do one of our yes. future episodes. Yes, that's right. We'll be tying in with a certain event that, for some reason, is happening in the winter. But... <laughs> <laughs> a World Cup final before Christmas. What's that all about? <laughs> I know. I know. Sitting sitting up with, the, with the turkey. Hey, pass the gravy. Oh, go. <laughs> like... Yeah, sitting here with blankets wrapped around you because uh, because the heating's too expensive to turn on. Watching watch the World Cup final. Aye. In Qatar, when it's boiling. You know, <laughs> 
They're all sweating over there, and we're sitting here wrapped up in 40 duvies trying to keep our bills down. Uh, great. Yeah, they're, they're like, heat, no problem. Oil, no problem. <laughs> over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so banging game, mate. I think superb. But um, next, I've got a, a game that I absolutely love Clockwork Night. What's your thoughts on this one, mate? See, again, this is a game that. <clears throat> excuse me, I've I've shamefully not played enough of. I've had the odd fleeting shot of it, so obviously I, I know of it. I remember it was on one of the Sega, the early Sega Flash demos as well, and I think that's the first time I tried it was on that. But something that I, I really need to go back and, and give it a fair go because it's, it's a charming wee platformer. The kind of pseudo 3D always reminded me a lot of the way Donkey Kong Country on the SNES kind of done it. Yeah. You know, it's not actual 3D, it's kind of using the sprites aspect again. But a lot of really nice effects in there in terms of as a one of the bosses you fight it's like in a sort of kind of robot that flies in and you land and you fight that. And yeah. I always remember that that kind of scaling as it comes in and lands. Some of the bosses are a bit kind of scary going, but like the kind of baby's head and all that kind of <laughs> wearing, wearing a suit and all that kind of stuff, big head and all that. It's a bit kind of hmm. but uh, no, I mean again, something a game I would like to go back to and give a bit more time, but Again, for a launch title, it's challenging. I think people look at it and think it's kind of cutesy and kidsy, and again, that kind of more kind of darker undertones that it's got with some of the bosses, but it's devilishly challenging for whenever I played it. It's not easy in the slightest. No, no, it's uh, it's a little bit of a challenge because I've beat it. I beat it. Was it last year or the year before? I got it not that long ago. Uh, I've always wanted to play it. I've only played it emulated before. Um, but it's you know it's so much better playing it on Saturn hardware, and uh, obviously it's not got a save state, which for some reason a lot of Saturn games of the era don't have these early Saturn games. So it's it's not a long game, you know, one and a half two hours to get through. But you know, when do we get two straight hours to go sit through sit through a game, mate? Aye, that, that's why retro gaming is so appealing now, because that's what I'm saying. It's like you get 15, 20 minutes, you're going to have a crack at something. Two, <laughs> yeah. two, two hours uninterrupted to sit at a yeah. game? Yeah. Jeez, they were, they were the days. That's the thing about it. Um, you have to do it in one sitting. So the way I beat it, I, I tried it on and off a few times, and every time I'd run out of time. So I was at home the whole day and eventually just succumbed to, right, I played a bit first thing in the morning, paused it, just left it. <laughs> when I got another window, played it a bit more. Uh, Saturn must have been running hot. Disk drives going mental. Um, it took me, you know, it was up and down quite a few times. But I did manage to beat it. Got down to, I think, the very last life and my very last continue. I mean, it's it's a cracking little game. Um, did you ever get to the Transformer boss? Or so I am not a Transformer. Is it kind of like kind of blue kind of robot that flies in and transforms into it? it kind of comes in for the back of the screen. I'm yeah, sure, I'm like, sure I, I can it, see it. I think it's like white and red because it reminds me is a lot it? of like Jetfire or you know Skyfire. Uh, I have. And, uh, choose choose your name. Yeah, well, well, it's like uh, if a Transformers turned around and said, "Well, you're, you borrowed him. We're going to sue you." So like you, you borrowed him from Macross, so. I can't even get can't even get the right your own character. But no, that annoyed me about the toy as well because his face then obviously because it was a macro. So yeah, you know, the face <laughs> like Jetfire's got blue eyes and a face, and this thing had like a visor. I was like, no, yeah, yeah, it was 
it was odd, wasn't it? I mean, he was a he was a great toy because he was massive oh, compared aye. to everyone else. But you, you could tell he was that time. <laughs> he was. It was so different to the rest of them. It's like mm, you're not from. <laughs> you come from. You're a not from this land. range. You're not from this, are you? <laughs> Hasbro stole you from somewhere else. <laughs> you're not a micro master. It was micro masters, wasn't it? As I make, I am. As I'm, I'm make micro, I micro masters, micro men, or something. Like that. It was. Yeah. Diaclone. Diaclone, that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, Megatron, these yeah. big stupid penis that would just stick out. His <laughs> 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 cock trigger. Squeeze me, Brian! <laughs> Squeeze me! <laughs> you disgust me, Megatron. <laughs> you know you want to, Prime. <laughs> there's, that, there's that scene, isn't there, in... Uh, one of the episodes in series one where um, they've got this device and they has to shoot up into space. He's no time prime. It turns into a gun and goes, load me. <laughs> <laughs> You've got oh. to imagine that Frank Wilkin and Peter Cullen were just sitting there stoned at some point when they read, you expect me to deliver these lines? Oh. <laughs> Oh, we're going into tangents and tangents now, mate, but I was listening to uh, uh, Sonic the Comic, the podcast earlier, and they just went on this, this they, they, This is, you know, the um, <laughs> tangents within tangents within tangents now. They, they were going, went into a tangent about how he's, Dave Bulmer spliced the magic roundabout sound effects to make it sound like two of the characters were having sex. <laughs> I recorded it and then played it on the episode. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, dear. so yeah, Sorry. I think that that shit was rife in that era. Aye, but see, aye, some of the Transformers, man, just like that. That picture you sent me was that someone had done was it the the Ironhide who transformed into the Scooby Doo van? Yeah, and then somebody went, they fixed it. They cut his head off because the toy, the toy we got was just this stupid. It was like it came into two bits. It was like a wee man with a windscreen for a head. Yeah, it sat inside this trailer thing. It was on awful. It was like, what do we do with the rest of it? Right, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, his legs come out here, and his arms come out here. What do we do with the rest of it? No, just just turn it into some thing that he stands on. Flap the charge down like that, make him sit in there. <laughs> Where's his yeah. face? Give him a sticker with a face and stick it on a seat. <laughs> <laughs> You can just imagine, like you know, if he was real, if that's really Ironhide. You know, you're sitting in there. You're sitting in there. Where, where are you, Ironhide? And he's like right here with his face up. We could lubricant. Yeah. Oh. Oh. But anyway, mate, clockwork. <laughs> I clockwork, mate, mate. Uh, yeah, brilliant game. Um, one thing that I liked is uh, it was inspired by Mickey Mania, uh, which was by John Burton. Uh, of Traveller's Tales, and then John Burton used Clockwork Knight to influence Toy Story. You know, Traveller's Tales did the uh, adapted the port for that for the Mega Drive. So, a little bit of the snake eating the snake there. <laughs> I can, that's the thing as well. Like that, that's that's something that makes me feel really, really old. Is like when I clocked that. There's a Toy Story game for the Mega Drive. Like the Mega Drive. Also, you realise the Mega Drive was that long ago, and you were like. Like 11, 12 when it came out, kind of thing, but you kind of forget that Toy Story was what 95? Yeah, 
you know what I mean? You kind of forget that. Yeah? So the fact that there's like a Twitter, I think it was somebody on Twitter put it up or something. It was like obviously the PAL copy's got the kind of blue spine, the kind of the the, the later gen kind of PAL cases. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus, man, Toy Story. You don't think that you don't tie Toy Story into the Mega Drive either? But there you go, tail end. I know, I know tail end. I mean, ninety five is kind of tail end of the Mega Drive era, but. John Burton said, I think he was inspired by a clockwork night because he saw a lot of the on the his game hut channel talks about how a lot of the 3D effect or the pseudo 3D effects in the Mega Drive were inspired by clockwork night. Um, but that being said, I think obviously clockwork night does look at the time at least next gen because the because the graphics are, are, are decent, you know, you got the pepper pepper Ocho, his pre rendered sprite looks 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 decent. The, Enemies are all really detailed. The 3D polygonal bosses, even though they're creepy as all hell, <laughs> they look great. And uh, the levels are great. I know it's side-on, so it's like 2.5D, but especially when you're running full pelt and then the whole level, like you go around a corner and the level rotates. Aye, aye. There's a lot yeah. of nice kind of 3D visual effects in there, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's a decent game, mate. So I think... Yeah, if you, if you, if you find it difficult, the Japanese version is meant to be easier. As usual, it's I like easier. I like easier. I don't have time for difficult. No, you know, I mean, I, I need I need to get through things quickly. You know, it's like don't have time to sit there trying the same bit fourteen times. No, I mean, I was talking about when I was playing Ninja Gaiden, right? I mean, the going to how long to beat? It's fourteen hours, and I looked at how long it took me to beat. It's said sixteen hours. I thought. Oh well, a couple of hours slower. But then you go into your Xbox Playtime, and it was uh, it was over forty because it, obviously the play the beginning to end doesn't count all the times you've had to restart. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> all I can say, mate, is thank God for like quick resume and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Aye, that SSD's coming into its own there, doesn't it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> no enough time to rage. Imagine you've got loading times are sitting there just seething. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, this one, this one, I gave an out of t- eight out of ten, mate. I think uh, fourth best game out of the lineup. I think it's it's a brilliant, brilliant little game. Uh, even if do you know what, it's meant to be. The rumours are that it's half a game because it ends on the boss, and then when you start Clockwork Night Two, you start at that that same boss. So they so basically split the game into two parts. Paramere, then. They split in two parts, so it could be first of all ready for the. Western launches and to get, right. it, get it out for the Japanese audiences as well, which is, you know, a very Sonic Free and Knuckles kind of thing to do. But uh, even on even on its own half a game, it's I, li- I like it a lot, mate. Big fan of it. I'll let you give it a fair go. Give it, give it a decent <laughs> go, mate. That Use Japanese that, version, but <laughs> that Japanese version, uh, maybe not leave you sat and running as long as I did. Well, I've got a, I've got a Pico PSU in a failure, mate. So I'm not running the hardware failure risk that you did. That's admirable. Yeah. Testament to the the tank abilities of the Saturn that it, it yeah. ran that long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, especially considering what Simon found in my in my Sega Saturn. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Jeez, I playing with fire with that one. So that was a. Uh, that, that that's a janky mod to end all janky mods, mate. That was eye opening. Yeah, I, I said to Simon because he sent me the pictures and it was literally just VDP covered in glue with a wire coming out of it. 
And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so it's like, I said to him afterwards, is that, is that one of the worst mods you've seen? He said, definitely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got, thanks, to, thanks to that wizard, I've got a shiny refurbished sand sitting here now, which is tip top. Got that and my favorite one next to each other. We get FRAM as well. You get the FRAM, the FRAM you get yeah. The, the, the works, mate. No more CR2032s to worry about. Yeah, I only have to worry about it in my Japanese one with the Fenrir now. But then I can well, back, you can, back them up. You can them. back up. Aye. Yeah. So you're so sorted. It's all good, mate. It's all good. So that brings us halfway, mate. And uh, I think it's that time, as we have been doing, for our little musical interlude, seeing as we're on Radio Sega. So, uh, how would you feel about this? Put on the uh, the King of Speed from Daytona USA. Oh yes, go.
and that was the king of speed legendary song i mean <laughs> they get much better than that no for a legendary soundtrack from a legendary game uh... <laughs> <laughs> rolling stars <laughs> i mean they just heard it they don't need us to <laughs> Aye, again for him, but... Guys, get a bye, man. We've just listened to it. Don't need you to murder it. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously that segs into our very next game, mate, which is Daytona USA. Wasn't there for the Japanese launch, but was there for the US and UK and PAL, version, uh, PAL territory launches. So obviously we've gone in deep on this one in a previous episode, which is available for our listeners. But I think a lot of what we said before does bear repeating, don't you think? Aye, it's it's a very divisive title, I think. Um a lot of kind of Sega ports of their arcades games tend to do that, be quite kind of divisive in terms of very kind of marmite. Um aye, it's one of those ones where, you know, the PlayStation was obviously doing Ridge Racer, which kind of outshone it, but you know, you need to take into context that PlayStation you know, was getting arcade ports off a board which was closely based on its architecture, whereas the Saturn was trying to, you know, ape a Model 2 arcade machine. And as we've, you know, spoken about, you know, John Linneman's touched on on, on Digital Foundry Retro, is that while it does run at, you know, less than half the frame rate of the arcade version, um, it's the only version until the PS360 that actually nailed the handling. You know, Championship Circuit Edition didn't have the handling. Daytona USA 2001 should as hell didn't have the handling. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and as much as they added a setting to 2001 in the West to let you tweak with the, you know, the sensitivity and all that kind of stuff, it still didn't make much of a difference. Um, you still couldn't get it to, to nail that arcade handling. So, I mean, I mean, the PAL version did suffer a lot because it was already running slower and then the 50 hertz aspect did hurt the PAL version. It's very letterboxed as well. Um, but I find playing the Japanese version on on kind of the Fenrir and stuff like that on my Saturn just now at 60 hertz. It's, it's great fun. Um, yeah. Still really playable. Um, uh, again, the handling is what you always come back to. It nails it on a D-pad, on the steering wheel, whatever. It's it's great. Yeah. I mean, the thing that, that struck me when I was, I was playing it for this episode and trying to capture some footage, you know, what comes off the, if, if, if we use that footage, if it comes into the video, the thing that struck me was, yeah, the popping is quite jarring and the frame rate is, you know, 20s. It's, it seems to be consistently 20, but it's low. And you can feel, you can feel that it's low. But this is a game with, you know, when you're going around 3.7 Speedway, you've got so many cars on the track. You know, Bridge Racer only had what, most of the time you were in first-person view because the third-person view in Ridge Racer was just so god-awful. I don't think the car even... It felt like the car didn't even animate in the third I, It felt like you were rotating the track, not the yeah. car. Yeah. It was really weird. Whereas, you know, obviously the four views in Daytona USA on the Saturn all work, and you've got so many... Sometimes you have... You can have up to like a dozen cars on screen, all, you know, animated, detailed. They're not going to be as detailed as the main car, but they're probably, again probably more detailed than the opponent cars in Ridge Racer, which are all, from last time I played it, all kind of single-colour cars. 
Aye. I think they've got a single colour with maybe like a white line down diagonally at one side or across the roof or on the bonnet, but there's there's very, very little detail on, on the cars in Ridge Racer. Even the car you drive in Ridge Racer, there's not a lot yeah. of detail on it, you know what I mean? So, um, no, definitely more detail in Daytona. It's just it's so so much more of an ambitious game compared to Ridge Racer. Um, and because of its ambition, that's kind of that's kind of where it suffers because it's trying to ape, uh, you know, a massively more powerful piece of arcade hardware than what Ridge Racer was on. Um, and it seems, as you say, quite rightly, they focus on the handling behind it rather than, you know, the graphics, you know, trying to reduce the popping and everything. You see that, that they changed that tax with CCE and it obviously had the, the wrong, it certainly isn't, is my preferred way over to play it on the Saturn over CCE. Uh, I play the Saturn version at 60 Hertz. Um, because obviously that game, that version of the game wasn't optimized at all, but, uh, it plays, it plays brilliantly on Saturn. Um, in some ways I still think it's more faithful than the Xbox 360 and PS3 port. Um, there's just something about playing it with a satin pad that just feels more. You feel like you're wrestling more with the arcade wheel. I know it sounds daft, but it does feel no, it's, more. It's, it's something Sega were very clever at doing. I think you know they did it with Sega Rally in terms of you know taking the handling it and getting the feel of the different terrains into a D-pad without any kind of form of yeah. force feedback or rumble or anything like that. And I, I know what you mean. Um, the satin pad is great for playing it. Um, and even though it is running at that kind of lower frame rate, it's, it's, it's the handling. It, what you say, they're wrestling with the arcade wheel. It does have that kind of, whether that's because of the kind of maybe, then again, I don't think the response time when you're, pre- you're pressing left and right, there's no much of a delay, if any. It's very no. responsive, even at that, you know. So, no, it's, the word you used, it, ambitious, I think, is, is right. I think, Everybody focuses on the fact that, you know, oh, Ridge Racer, it's arcade perfect on PS1, and look at it, oh, it's so amazing, and boo, Daytona's got this, you know, shocking drawing, and look at the pop-up, and it's, oh, you're going along a corner, and the mountain just appears, and it's just awful. But remember, when the arcade game came out in 93, you think of what you were playing in 93? Yeah. (laughs) You know, know. like, like, I think Lotus Turbo Challenge was probably the most... Exciting game with Jaguar XJ220 on the Amiga, yeah. those kind of games, and then you went for that in the home to get into an arcade and seeing this, and then only two years later, you're then moving on to trying to bring that to the home. It's just yeah. crazy. Ambitious is the right word. No, exactly, you know? mate. It's and the thing about it is, it's ambitious and it and it plays well. I think the reason why the handling just you don't feel the lag in the handling. And I think the reason why that is is because I think John Dinnerman pointed it out in his in his video when he was trying to capture the uh, the frame rate. Is that I believe that the the polygonal environments and the backgrounds operate at different frame rates. So somehow maybe that plays into the reason why it still feels responsive. Mm. Uh, despite the low frame rate, it, it does because you wouldn't think a game that's running at kind of twenty to twenty five FPS would would have that level of responsiveness yeah. to it. But you can you can you can weave in and out of traffic, no bother. You know, you 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 take your your finger off the gas, hitting brakes, flinging it around the corner. You can still 
still got that great feel, that last kind of bend on 3.7 Speedway. <laughs> you know, if your arse hits the outside, that's you, you're up in the air. So, no, um, it's definitely responsive. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was awful when it was when I was playing it, again, on the emulator trying to capture footage. I was using the 360 pad and bouncing off the walls and everything. I just could, for some reason, I couldn't nail the power slide around the corner in 3.7 Speedway. Just get bouncing off the wall. Got some nice shots of the crumpled, crumpled body though, which is which is another thing that it does. Another thing the 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 body damage, you know, smash your car up, see the wheel bouncing, makes it harder to drive. Uh, try to go some... easy on the car. Several <laughs> so laps to go, hang in there. <laughs> Great, another time extension. <laughs> Your time has been extended. Just think, just get Duval and you know what I mean? It must have been, you know, <laughs> Robin's racing, son. Robin's racing. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you can tell, you can tell that it was inspired by Days of Thunder. But, oh, oh, 100%. But superb, mate. I think third best game uh, in the launch lineup for me. Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10, which I think is broadly what I gave it before when we did the review episode. Our listeners can check that out. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. I mean, I, I see that's fair, you know. Definitely. And then moving on from there, we've got another game, which we've, again, discussed at length. And I think it will always be one that we will beat the drum for. Um, forget about your Genki Defence Force for a second. We've got our Virtual Fighter 1 Defence Force. But yeah, Virtual Fighter, the very first Virtual Fighter, the game that sold one-to-one with the uh, with the Saturn in Japan. And uh, yeah, do you know what, mate? I was saying, oh, I was thinking the other day, Definitely at least the second most important fighting game ever made. Yeah, after Street Fighter 2. After Street Fighter 2. I don't yep. think any game, yep. any other game can have claim to have as much impact on the industry or its genre as Virtual Fighter. Well, it's famously the game that made Sony change tact on, on the it PS1. Is. Exactly. You know, it's they've seen that and, and literally panicked and went back to the drawing board because PlayStation was was meant to be every much a 2D machine as as Saturn would, you know, kind of, obviously Saturn wasn't designed as a 2D machine, there was 3D capabilities kind of in there, but Sony weren't going down the route they were until they seen Virtua Fighter. Um, So it definitely changed the course of the industry, you know, so I I mean, the Saturn port is is much maligned. Again, we talk about kind of Marmite Saturn ports, you know, this is very much again one of them. You and I love the game. You know, it's I'm not gonna kinda of go into the kind of story, but obviously people that have that know me and know you and know the podcast know the kind of the story about my first experience with Virtual Fighter in the home. So because of that it'll always have a kind of special place in my heart as well. But I just think as much as it has aged, it's kinda of, it's a sort of kinda of, kinda of catch twenty two. So I think it has aged but at the same time, it's it's aged quite gracefully in terms of it's it's gained this kind of timeless look, and I think that that again we go back to remix and we've spoken about that in the kind of previous shows as well, you know bigger bigger kind of characters, texture matte polygons, all that the kind of glitching taken out. But <clears throat> excuse me, you know it's it just removes a lot of the charm for me. Whenever they move to remix, I think that the charm of Virtua Fighter is just the fact that you are playing that bit of history. You're the kind of the flat shaded look is just so iconic, and I think just remix just rips that away from it. So that's why every time I put the Saturn on, if I 
you know, run virtual fight on the background just to kind of enjoy the attract mode, you know, or, or put it on for a quick shot. I'll always go to VF. I'll, I'll, I will try remix from time to time, but it just doesn't feel that virtual fighter to me. Just something yeah. missing. You know what I mean? I totally agree, mate. The flat shaded polygons do have a timeless a timelessness about them. Almost the way that, you know, pixel pixel art in games is timeless. I think flat shaded are sort of going that way because they're very evocative of the time and you know how I think Virtual Fighter, you know, maybe Virtual Racing before that, kind of the peak of that sort of art style. Because if you look at stuff like, what was the mo- most recent game that came out that kind of, um, God, what was the name of it? But there was a recent game that came out on modern consoles that really had that that flat-shaded polygonal style. It wasn't like, I mean, obviously they were upscale for the HD era. Um, but they weren't, you know, massively more detailed or anything like that. So... Again, it's like when you look at pixel art games, they kind of peaked with the Mega Drive, SNES, and Saturn kind of era. These games kind of peaked in, in this era. It's a very, very small window, though, when you look at where the way that technology was moving. I mean, that flat-shaded look was in vogue in 93, 94, uh, and in 95, that's kind of when texture mapping started really becoming more and more prevalent. So very fleeting, but... Um, Virtual Fire really is a game of its time and such an important one. And the most important thing is it came to the Sega Saturn intact. It's content complete, yeah. Arcade mode versus and a few options. That wasn't a lot. It wasn't loads of extra hidden characters or anything. But you know what? What extra modes did you get in Mortal Kombat 3 or Mortal Kombat 2 or Street Super Street Fighter 2? Maybe a few different team battle modes, but... Aside from that, they were literally just the arcade game, and that's all you needed. It's like I think people at that point they sort of went right. So you've you've got these new machines, you've got these kind of CD storage, you know, mediums that you can use. So give us more. You know, it was almost this kind of demand that arcade ports all of a sudden had to have more. You know, and yeah. I know, like Tekken Three did a lot of kind of good stuff in terms of the the, the kind of was it Tekken Force mode, where it was that kind of side scrolling yeah. kind of, and obviously Tekken Bowling as well was added in. But who who bought Tekken Three and played bowling? <laughs> I played Tekken. I played loads of Tekken Bowling, Tekken Tag, but <laughs> I was Tekken not... Tag, Tekken Bowling. I think Tekken yeah. Three had Tekken Tekken Three had had volleyball. They had volleyball. That's it. Uh, that was that's it. volleyball and Tekken Force. I'll die on this hill. Tekken Force is god awful, in my opinion. No, I mean, I just let's make a side scroll and beat him up and tackle on using Tekken characters fighting the same foot soldiers over and over again. No, yeah, it no. just doesn't fit. Even using, yeah, it's it's awful. It's like you have to unlock this character this way. I went through it all, went through it all last year, I think, because I was unlocking all the Tekken characters, and I'm not a massive fan of Tekken at all. Um, I think it's like Maximilian Dude said in a recent um, Triple KO podcast that Tekken, Tekken is a series that's famous for just doing whatever the hell Virtual Fighter just did. That's exactly <laughs> it. I mean, I'd, I'd run, because obviously my good mate Darren gave me that Xbox One X um, to borrow and he's going to set me up with RetroArch on it and it's like I had the PS1 stuff on and I loaded up Tekken 3 and in my mind's eye Tekken 3 looked a lot better than than what I seen there. I mean, 
I can still put VF2, and obviously we're biased Sega guys, right? But, you know, <laughs> I, I put VF2 on the Saturn, you know, and just leave it running, and you watch it, and it's the, the, the colour, the detail, the size of the characters, the backgrounds, everything about it is just absolutely stunning. And it took until Tekken 3 to even lay a glove on VF2, and even then I'm watching it and I'm going... That's all right, but it's it's still nowhere near what VF2 was. I think that's why on Twitter, on here, I've always said that I still think Virtua Fighter 2 is like the greatest technological achievement of that generation because it has no right to be on that system how it is. I'd, I'd say probably Last Bronx might just pip it if I was... Mm. Performance-wise, probably the kind of the more advanced use of EDP2 combined, the background's been a bit more intact... Aye, possibly. Because the thing that always strikes me about Tekken, all the Tekkens on PlayStation um, are the same in that the backgrounds really are just so flat aye, that they, they look like they look like they're in little dioramas. They're in little cardboard aye, boxes. Aye, we cardboard boxes fight nicely, aye. <laughs> I always Whereas, remember, was it, was it Paul stage on on via, on, via, on a Tekken 3? And there's like a kind of railway bridge in the background. There's all these walls with graffiti, and it just literally looks like a box. Yeah, I always remember that. Aye, that's right. Virtual Fighter Two. You have, you, for example, Lao stage. You've got all the temples and stuff, and they all move differently. Obviously, they're all two D, but they're all different layers of parallax, and it looks absolutely stunning. Um, same with so many of the other characters. Stage. So yeah, Virtual Fighter Two. Definitely one of the best looking fighting games of that generation, without a doubt. Better than any N64 fighting game. I've got Killer Instinct Gold, <laughs> and that's uh, Jesus. Oh, it's, it's awful oh. to look at. Um, yeah, I'd say it's, better, it's the be- probably the best looking fighting game. But yeah, Virtual Fighter still got that that timeless look as well. Um, and yeah, it's 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 intact. There's graphical issues on, and I've never noticed graphical issues when playing it. It's only when watching either the intro. Or watching the replays, and let's let's be honest. I mean, how often do you watch the replays these days? Just aye, I know. I think there's rare occasions where the back of the ring, the kind of the further away part of the ring, when it meets the horizon, I think yeah. that will glitch from time to time. But I've never personally clocked like characters like Akira's arm disappearing. There in the intro, there's a bit. I think it's his elbow that kind of glitches in and out. Yeah, um, it's it's a lot that, of the geometry in his arm kind of glitches in and aye. out. To me, it kind of looks like you know when you get the, that kind of you've got a, watching a low quality video and you're getting all the pixelation <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> and you're seeing it move about. It's a bit like that. So, aye. I don't, it my mind's like, still well. great. Aye, I mean it was it was interesting as well that video I put up on Twitter the other week. There was it last week I put it up, yeah. And it was for the the Tokyo. I said talk Tokyo Game Show in '94, and somebody corrected me. It was a Japanese Twitter user. I went Tokyo Game Show didn't start until the following year, so as it's a Tokyo Toy Show in '94 that yes. it was. Um, and that running demo they had of of Daytona and the horn that looks completely different, and it's it's scrolling along this kind of really detailed, possibly being drawn by VDP2, kind of terrain with like diagonal Sega logos and like kind of like rock, yeah. kind of look, kind of tarmac look, and apparently you could control the car across it. Um, but there was also the kind of the video of the, the lady from Sega standing up on stage demonstrating the machine and all that kind of stuff and they, and they used the arcade footage of Virtua Fighter in Daytona to yeah. say, you know, now 
I don't speak Japanese, so the lady could well have been saying these titles are coming to Saturn. I don't think she would have, unless she does sit there and go, these are the Saturn versions. You know, so I'm no, I, I don't speak Japanese. I'm not sure what she says, but um, if if she does stand up there and go, these are the Saturn titles, then ooh, cheeky. <laughs> that goes back to you know, when we were doing uh, Year Zero and we had those initial initial like, responses to the Saturn port of Daytona USA, and I go, it's arcade perfects. <laughs> <laughs> they seen that real. <laughs> It's like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. No. I think, I think you can obviously Daytona. We just talked about, it, and you can, you can, you know, as much as we love that game, and as much as we're saying about how ambitious it is, and how, how much it represents the arcade machine, it does have its graphical issues. Virtual Fighter, I feel like they're kind of somewhat overblown, and it's still a very good looking game for its time. Still very impressive, and still plays fantastically well. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's as I mean, it's they had said as well that they'd cleaned up some of the timings on Remix, but again, I think it was it um, uh, Panda Pandemonium's video he did of VF Remix, and he actually played the original version and Remix and recorded yeah. them, and he said he could not like he get into, his detail was that much that he actually compared Sarah's ponytail moving after yeah. one of her moves, you know, <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Like Sarah's ponytail still, when she does that move where she kicks up and she's upside down, her ponytail flicks up, and he's like, no, everything moves, every frame is the same. So the claim yeah. that was made, well, it was Sega that made the claim on anybody else that they'd improved the timing. No, they didn't. It's yeah. the exact same. It's literally an e-skin. I know. And when I watched the Panda's video, I watched it after <clears throat> I did my, uh, I was doing my Sega games every day, and I did a week of Virtual Fighter games. So I did Virtua Fighter 1, I did Virtua Fighter Remix. And um, I've always been on the understanding that Remix had tweaks to the gameplay, even though I've not been able to see them. So I put out, yeah, Sega made tweaks, but yeah, they didn't. They didn't. Panda, Panda showed us. <laughs> I literally just destroyed that in one, one video. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just when killed the, that stone dead. When the ponytail moves at exactly the same frequency rate, Exactly the same animation. Nothing's changed. <laughs> even no, the, no. Even the AI was working exactly the same, wasn't it? It's just a reskin, which again, came, yeah. So we said in a previous previous episode, mate, they could have quite easily just put both on the disc, and I think that might have gone down a lot better. Mm-hmm. Let people kind of choose at the time which one they preferred, rather than kind of. Creating the monster they did, where people kind of had the perception that oh they were criticised badly, so we need to put remix out. Like yeah. I think Sega were very very proud of Virtua Fighter. There is no one. Yeah. I don't think they'd any need to go. Oh, this is so bad. We have to replace it. No, I'm, I'm no, I'm no buying that. Sorry. Yeah, hundred percent. But as you say, mate, even if they did put it two on the disc, we'd still plump for the original. Um, for me, I've given this a nine out of ten. Easily second best game in my opinion out of the launch lineup. Um, do you agree? Or would you would you give this uh, one top spot? This this would always have you and I tend to agree ninety nine percent of the time, mate, but <laughs> I think for for me, um just again given the history with it and the fact that I went from, you know, playing it in booths in, in the town in the arcade on a Saturday to 
rocking up and, and being surprised with it that day on on launch day. Um, aye, no, it's just that's that's number one for me. But that's number one. Panzer Dragoon, as we're going to go into, is a very very close number two. Oh, we split, mate. The, the Sega guy's hive mind has been broken. I know. How long has that taken? <laughs> two, nearly two over two years in the hiatus. You know. To, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like you said earlier with the, the whole <laughs> we're taking over thing it's like how many times have we done that it's like the last few months <laughs> literally sending each other the, like, the same thoughts the same messages at the same time like whatsapp yours comes through as I hit send it's like fuck off it's like, <laughs> yeah, I like fuck off you <laughs> I was like what <laughs> I know because it was whenever they put the Radio Sega one out that I said we're taking over. So I'd literally tweeted that, came back to WhatsApp to talk to you, and then like you literally just went, Oh, we're taking over, mate. And I just went, Fuck off you. And it was like I thought I better quickly send them a screenshot what we're talking about in case he just I thought you were talking to me. It's like what have I done? It's like Just opened your phone like that. It's about half, me. <laughs> I didn't even do anything. <laughs> What's your fucking problem? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, the Sega Hive mind has been broken just for these top two mates. So Virtua Fighter, number one for you. Panzer Dragoon, my number one, which I don't think we've talked about this in any sort of detail before, have we? Not... Not in term, not not a lot of detail. No, I mean I think we did have a plan to do uh, chronicles at one point, um, a two part, obviously on well, we did a three part with, with Saga put on there as well. But um, it kind of never ever came to anything. So I think along with what we discussed as well, that Master System has been criminally underfeatured yeah. on our show, and we are going to rectify that. Um, Panzer Dragoon as well. You know, apart from fleeting mentions, it's never had any kind of real deep dive done on it. No, it hasn't. So we'll give it we'll give it a little bit of time in the sun as it is now. Maybe go into a deeper dive into this or the trilogy, maybe in a future episode. But it really, in a way, it doesn't need much introduction at all. Obviously, the first game from Team Andromeda, who were a very young team at the time. I think the director was, what, early 20s? I mean, nice. that's... <laughs> Baby, <laughs> Sega like doing that. Isn't it? You have a big project. What have you done before? You've never made a game. You're 22. Make Virtua Cop. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's, laughs> Panzer like, Dragoon. Yeah, it's like the, the in uh, Panda's video on Virtua Cop. Uh, I was I just came in as a designer out of graduate. Uh, do you mind if I produce? Go ahead, produce produce <laughs> this book. Okay. <laughs> but, um. but yeah, it was. So yeah, I think he said I've got an idea for a game. And this was inspired by a Space Harrier, Starblade. Uh, interestingly, he said layer section, which you can really see now. Because layer section obviously has the it's a, it's a shoot 'em up, but you've got the you know as, as well as firing up the screen, you can lock into enemies, uh, which is obviously the way that Panzer Dragoon works. But the thing I absolutely adore about this, and I don't think it gets enough credit for, is just well, I, I love a lot of things about this, but one thing is that is so cinematic and it's probably the most cinematic game to come out that year I'd say yeah I, I, everything about it from the opening intro the kind of the, the kind of orchestral tones that you get not just on the title screen but the music that accompanies the opening video where you know the, the wee guys are under 
well, they're no horses, but they're, they're, that, that, that world's a couple of a horse. Coolias? I can't remember uh, if they're the same creature that you have in Panzer's Fire. But they kind of they stop and they look up and the ship goes over. And, yeah. You know, then the, the enemies move their way through the sand and pop up and one of the guys gets knocked flying off. You know, and <laughs> uh, just then the music ramps up. Yeah. It's a And that's, that's the sign again of a, a really timeless game as well. You know, the, see the fact that, that it can. A lot, of, a lot of kind of games that are like that, you know, kind of timeless experiences that you've had that mean a lot on a system that you, you've got a lot of time for, they'll stick in them. I, mean, I, I was like that kind of tweet I put out again, you know, going off on a tangent too much, but, you know, I put out a photo of um, my Spotify screen and I was listening to Instruments of Destruction and it says, if if you can't hear Megatron saying die Autobots at the exact moment yeah, yeah. that he does, are you really a fan? So it's similar to this kind of thing that, I'm talking about that intro. You're hearing the music in your head as I'm describing the yeah. scene, you know. <laughs> and that's a sign of a really great game. Yeah, it's expertly made. The I love the setting of it. The, the intro goes on for quite a while, isn't it? But you go, you find yourself absorbed by it. Which, considering this is 1995 CGI on a console, I mean, we're not talking we're not talking Toy Story level here, but it's it still holds up really well. And I think a lot of that is down to the actual direction. So I really feel like the, the the team behind this just had a vision of the game that they wanted to make, of the world that they wanted to introduce the player to. And they execute it almost flawlessly, which is why I think it, it holds up so well. And even, you know, when we had the remake this year, and that didn't hold up to how the ori- how well the original was regarded. I mean, that's the thing as well. There's, there's long been a kind of argument that you know, maybe Sega should have put Panzer Dragoon as the pack-in game um, in the West especially. I know, I think, you know, in Japan, Virtua Fighter will always be king. You know, it's sold one for one with the system over there. It's a phenom in Japan. It's got its kind of core element of fans in the West, but it's never attained the kind of level of hype over here as it has there. So the fact that they were able to bring it out, you know, as a launch title in the US, we got it a bit later in the in the UK, obviously, but do you think maybe, in hindsight, to maybe show off the power of the Saturn a bit more, that having that as a pack-in game over here could have maybe swayed things a wee bit, maybe got it off to a better start, maybe first impressions-wise, compared to maybe Virtua Fighter, as much as we love that game? Yeah, maybe so, mate. I mean, yeah, we've... I think we touched on it before, but I think it definitely could have done. And, you know, we were talking about earlier how it didn't come out at the same time as as the console launch over here, but maybe delay the console launch to coincide with Panzer Dragoon coming out. Because there's a visual showcase. It's the best one on the Saturn uh, at this point, by, by a mile, unless, you know, obviously we didn't get a stall over here either, and the stall wasn't the launch game. So, <clears throat> so you bundle you know, your showcase visual product with the console. And, I mean, it's not a long game. I think it's a challenging game. I think it's the hardest one out of out of mm. the trilogy on the Saturn, quite, quite handily. But it's still a episode very four. Episode 4 is evil. That's the one Pretty where you're evil. kind of underground, isn't it? And that, that in itself is also a visual showpiece. The way that, you know, 
okay, it's on rails, but there's points where the dragon slows down and it picks up a lot of pace. You go forward, you go down, side to side. There's enemies coming up at you as you're traversing down at pace. You're going round corners fast. There's doors that are kind of sliding open and they threaten yeah. to slam shut, but they stop just there. So you've still got, even though it's on rails, you've still got to navigate the dragon through the kind of angle. It's yeah. really, really beautifully done. And you've got the <clears throat> the lasers from your enemies that go across when you're coming through the screen, and that looks that looks pretty pretty amazing. So, yeah, I mean it's it's tough. Uh, I couldn't say whether it's five or four that really just knacker me because oh, oh, I think it's always that four four batters me and I get into five and I've hardly got any life left even after it's been regened and then fives and fives a pig as well. But then the last the last two aren't quite as tough but um yeah the boss in five is up but yeah it's i think it takes a few attempts it's not a long game not overly difficult but i think if you pack that in visual show key set show piece that it does does everything that i mean let's face it the that kind of older playstation era gamer was looking for then which is story uh which is graph 3d graphics panzer dragoon has all that and it's a damn good game to play as well if you just want to play through for the story, then it's a, a brilliant taste of what the Saturn can do. And yeah, that maybe bring your friends over, show them that, and then you buy your Virtua Fighters, your Daytona USAs, and your Clockwork Nights afterwards to get to get some more. Because as well, the game actually doesn't let you go past this episode three if you play it on easiest. Yeah, that's it right. Comes up, it, it comes up and goes, if you want to see more, try on a harder setting. <laughs> yeah. Like after you've hit like ninety eight percent of your enemies on every stage and got about six credits or something, you're, you're sitting there feeling cocky, going, "Yes, I've got loads of continues." And it goes, "Try a harder setting to see more." And you're like, "Shit, <laughs> it's like, this was hard enough." It's yeah, like... I know. It took took me. Uh, I didn't. I I got Panther Dragoon the original last out of all the Panther Dragoon games. I didn't get it until the early two thousands. It took quite a few attempts to get through it because I, I was all cocky thinking, do Panzergoons Vi inside out? Oh, this will be easy. Game absolutely battered me. <laughs> and I can I can still beat it now. But, I mean, again, I was, when I was capturing footage, we, I'm using the excuse that I was using an Xbox 360 controller and an emulator, and it was absolutely hellish. But I was pretty poor at it when I was playing it. But it's punishing. Um, but, you know, when you die, it's, it feels fair, as hard as it is. Aye, I think they kind of we're touching that cinematic aspect as well, like the fact that the music for the game was composed after the fact. Yeah. So there was a playthrough of the game done, and it, the music was composed to that. So that's why, like, when you play it, and that was one of the things that really struck me at the time as well was that, like, you're playing this game and the music seemed to react to what was yeah. happening on screen. Now, hindsight because you find out that the game was composed, the music was composed to footage of the game being yeah. played. But again, something I don't, I'd never heard there being, it's like a kind of common thing in TV and, and movie, you know, world, but to have that done in a game is just, is, is mental and it, it really does, it, it just adds to that that atmosphere that yeah. everything that you're seeing on screen, the, the tempo, the music changes, like in that episode four, um, you know, the, the music's quite do, 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 do. it's quite yeah. a, a, a thumping beat to it. And then as you traverse down and your your dragon's kind of hovering and going down and there's kind of the enemies with the green lasers 
and the music just stops to do 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 do. It's like yeah. in a silent wee, and then when you hit the bottom again, it's do 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 do. And then obviously, <laughs> you know, the the boss is the kind of the robot with the the wings, and it's it fires the wings yeah. off and the lasers at the eyes and that kind of thing. So, it's just absolutely a cinematic experience is is spot on. That's that's just what it is. Everything about it, production value, the score, the composing on it, it's just second to none at that point in time. I think. And most of the, and most of the storytelling and cinematics are in gameplay as well. It's just like the way that you say the the, the the boss comes up, and it really is. It's unique in so many ways in that you know, yeah, we've had rail shooters before. You had your afterburners, your space areas, your star blades, but they didn't quite execute it quite like Panzer Dragoon does. You know, even with the the what field of view that you could circle around, but creating an experience which is almost cinematic, but also punishingly you know, challenging. Um, and even you know, even when you do learn the game and you get good at it, there's still reason to go back because you increase your score or increase your hit ratio and you unlock other stuff. It's yeah, do you know what? Maybe it should have been bundled because it's almost the perfect launch game. Mm-hmm. Aye, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I've just sat and hearing like, wax lyrical about how great. You're like, James, you just said it wasn't your favourite game, but listen to how you're speaking. <laughs> your favourite launch game, but listen to how you're talking about it. <laughs> um, but no, it's credit when it's due. It's, it's a fantastic piece of software. Um, I know Zvi and, and Saga take a lot of the attention, and Zvi rightly so, I think, is a kind of tech demo for, for VDP2, and especially, you know, the kind of the infinite planes and the kind of draw distance that you see on the levels on, on Panzer Dragoon's Vi and obviously Saga because of the RPG element and the fact that it's super rare now. Uh, maybe the first game doesn't quite get as much love as, as it should. Yeah. Um, but it's if I had to pick my favourite Panzer Dragoon, then I think I would still pump for the first one. You know, just yeah. based on everything about that whole kind of cinematic experience. Yeah, I mean, I can't pick it as a favourite because I love fire so much. And I love Saga, and I can't pick between Saga and Spire because they're so different. They're almost like completely different games, albeit set in the same universe. But the original doesn't get enough love, like you say. And I think a lot of that is because it has been fairly widely available. You know, it got a PC port, got a PS2 port, um, had the re- had it was on Panzer Dragoon's Auto in the in the That's extras right, Pandora's then, box. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's been lucky enough to get a remake. Uh, on modern platforms so it's fairly widely erasable which maybe removes a little bit of the mystique of it a tiny bit um, and I think sometimes with games like Panther Dragoon again referencing John Linman here on uh, on his DF Retro when he was talking about the Panther Dragoon games he talks about how the ports are all in many ways you know some of them enhance things about the Saturn port, whether it's resolution or frame rate, but at the same time, so many of them take away things like the visual effects, like the transparencies in the um, transparencies on the Saturn, transparencies on the homing blasts, or the way that the, the infinite planes of the water or anything like that, they don't all replicate it. Um, and the game's always, it's, it's kind of like when people tell you they've played Sonic Adventure or I played Sonic Adventure and it's rubbish. Well, have you played it on a Dreamcast or have you played the crappy DX version uh, or have you played yeah. even, the even worse versions on 360? I feel like it's kind of a bit like that where people go, oh, I don't have a Saturn, but I'll play Panzer Dragoon on, I'll play this PC version. And playing it on the PC, you don't get quite the same experience because it feels quite different. And Aye. It's I the think- same, same with the remake for me as well. I think the remake's too busy. 
Visually, yeah. Um, There's just too much going on, you know? Yeah. I like the remake for what it is. I mean, I've bought it twice now. <laughs> but two, two quid on the Xbox store, I couldn't say no. I've seen that, I two quid. <laughs> but, um, it feels like a completely different game. Now, I'm happy because Auto was a pretty busy-looking game. Um, it's still a gorgeous-looking game. And I can kind of take the remake as kind of a extension of the series, but it's not a replacement for the original Panjago because it doesn't quite feel like it's in the same world or at least in the same timeline because what makes what's one of the most lovely things about Panjagoon is just this haunting barren post-apocalyptic world that you find yourself in um kind of like uh Mad Max but with dragons or whatever <laughs> <laughs> whereas the Nate that I'm not singing there <laughs> she's beyond the Thunderdome baby <laughs> um, but yeah it's uh, I feel like that's lost in the remake it's it's it just doesn't quite and, and yeah I imagine a lot of people that play Pantragoon have been oh well I played the remake and not experienced you know the kind of magic especially if they playing it with the new soundtrack as opposed to the as opposed to the uh, old one mm-hmm because nice. that, that kind of that, that magic it's what Sega Lord X said as well you know it's like uh, you will never experience playing Panzer Dragoon in 1995 <laughs> you know it's like but, but he's right you know yeah. it's, it's that, that thing it was a special kind of game to experience at that time again because there'd be nothing else like it you know yeah. not, on a, not on a console anyway you'd never seen that kind of level of production you know no. cinematic scale the orchestral kind of soundtrack, everything about it, just you'd never seen anything like that in a game. No, you hadn't. So, yeah, and the music, yeah, as you say, mate, the music's legendary. It's just almost perfect <laughs> for me. That, so, yeah, that's that right. Trump, that's that trumpet on the title screen. You remember your own camera, Jim? <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to make myself into a fucking meme <laughs> in one episode. <laughs> oh. Yeah, gift that. <laughs> James, James, James blowing his trumpet. James, James. <laughs> Don't mind James, he's just playing his own trumpet. Aye. Load me! <laughs> Load me! But yeah, mate. Ten out of ten, I've given given Panjagoo top of the list for me. Right. Um, I know Virtual Fighter always trumpet for you. Uh, I don't think, and that's the thing between the two of them. I think we'd be we'd be happy with either of them back in the day. Uh, masses maybe have been happier with Panjagoo, but we'll we'll never know. But that's the launch lineup, mate. But overall, looking at all six, what do you think? What's that, mate? Sorry, looking at, up there. We're looking at all six games and that launch lineup. What do you think? As I said at the start of the show, mate, before we kind of get into them in a bit more detail, there, there is pretty much something for everybody there. Yeah. You know, I do think they've tried to cover, you know, I think Sega of America especially, while not kind of capturing the same magic of the the Mega Drive, a lot of their kind of success with the Genesis was based on you know, the endorsements, the kind of celebrity aspects, you know, Joe Montana, Michael Jackson and the sports titles so I think they've, they've looked at it and went, right, we've got the arcade ports, 
So we've got Daytona and Virtua Fighter, so that covers us there. Yeah. We've got a platform game. We don't have Sonic, but we've got a platform game with Clockwork Knight. It's a bit different, you know. Maybe it might appeal to new people, get some more interest, a bit intriguing. Got victory goal there for the UK, especially football game. You know, yeah. soccer in the states in the nineties had you know the World Cup had been in ninety four, yeah. wasn't it? You know, the MLS was you know even a thought at that point. I don't think anyway. So. That was more for us, I think. Pebble Beach, again, a golf game. So they've tried to kind of cover everything. They've got the originality with Panzer Dragoon. They've got the arcade ports with, with VF and Daytona. They've got the sports games covered and they've got platforming covered. So I think, looking at it, they have tried to cover as many bases as they could. Maybe hoping yeah. that they would get customers from a broader range. You know, but I think the Japanese just went, Virtua Fighter. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's all they wanted. But I think it's a decent launch lineup because, as you say, they've got a bit of everything in there. A decent football game, uh, okay golf game, a great platformer, a superb fighter, a decent racing game. Um, I always hear this, you know, you hear it a lot. And, you know, you've played with that clip from Games Master a few times where Dominic Diamond talks about the flailing Sega Saturn. And you think, oh, it's finally way of getting some good games. I think these are at least four great games here. Um, whether the concern was what was also coming down the pipes. But, um, you know, if you think about what the PlayStation launched with, I mean, sure, it had Ridge Racer and Wipeout, um, you know, legendary games in themselves. I know we're biased, mate, but would I pick those two over? And again, they're both racing games. It's not like there's an awful... I know they're different kind of racing games, but you're not getting an enormous amount of variety in there. Are they... Better than Virtual Fighter and Pantragoon. I mean, I, I mean, I personally prefer Daytona to Ridge Racer, and I know you do Aye. as well. So. Yep, yep. I, it's. I think you know we've touched on it before as well. Where I think you know Sony were very, very clever in terms of you know getting the PlayStation out of the clubs. You know, Wipeout was a huge part of that kind of culture yeah. with the you know Prodigy and the, the kind of license soundtrack they had on there. So they knew what they were doing with that. So I think while. I, it's two racing games that they had with Ridge Racer and Wipeout. I think Wipeout almost became kind of synonymous on its own as a kind of this extension of a club experience. It was kind yeah. of a weird kind of mainstream kind of mashing up of gaming, lifestyle kind of gaming and, and kind of the, the music, the kind of club scene. But as a gamer, you know, and at that time, what my interests were as a gamer coming from the Amiga as I was where... I missed out. I wanted the fighting games. I loved fighting games, but always had the shite versions of fighting games. <laughs> it's like, I, I never had the good versions. I had Street Fighter 2 on four floppy disks and I had, you know, Mortal Kombat that I had to use a 60 hertz floppy disk hack to, <laughs> to get it to run full speed on the Amiga. It was just, I never had that kind of flawless plug and play arcade fighting game experience and that's what I wanted um, so that's why again playing Virtua Fighter in the arcades getting to play it in the home was so huge and then obviously you know Daytona speaks for itself so I would always pick the Saturn lineup. obviously we're not the PlayStation guys you know <laughs> <laughs> no. but um, no I, I definitely think looking at the launch lineups, the Saturn had the better more rounded selection yeah, yeah well, I think so too um Obviously, the masses or the, the markets didn't agree. Um, and, you know, as we've covered off a bunch of things in our year, year one episode that came before this, you know, whether that was because they, you know, knocked a bunch of people off by the launch, or early launches, 
Um, quite possibly imagine there was a lot of factors in there, whether it's the 32X eroding customer trust. Uh, but yeah, I think overall, mate, I think out of all the things that ailed the sound, I don't think it was the games. I mean, half of it you could say, well, a victory goal and uh, Pebble Beach, maybe not the best games in the world, but you know what, they filled a gap. And I think the other four are solid, if not classic games. So yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's us then, mate. But yeah, it's uh, well and truly covered, mate. Well and truly covered. I mean, we had what was it? We went an hour forty, hour fifty for the year one, just under six games. That's another ninety minutes. It seems like. See, we said at the start of the show we could have gone three, three and a half hours if we included Told the games. Ah, see, <laughs> we're looking, we're looking after you, listeners. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Because uh, we know we, we don't want to kind of go too long. Because I actually seen it was it Retro Faith was talking to someone on Twitter about podcast links, um, and that's what she said. It was like um, this uh, the ideal length of a podcast is an hour, or she starts to lose interest. And I'm like, hmm. So <laughs> if, so basically, what you're saying there, Faith, is that if you come on the Sega guys, we've only got an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so um I but no this 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 if we added this on to, to year one, there's a proof in the pudding we could have gone the full the full <laughs> three, three hours, hours mate. <laughs> Wouldn't have uh, sat on one long play VHS cassette recording. <laughs> Get the video plus <laughs> Get the old Scotch tapes out. Aye. Don't tape pull that as my wedding video. <laughs> oh, good stuff, mate. Brilliant as always. So back to our listeners then. So if you enjoyed this episode, just give us a shout. What do you think of the Saturn lineup, the Saturn launch lineup? What's your favourite game from the lineup? Was there a, were they all hits when there? Were there some misses? Do you disagree with what me and James said? If if you do, we'll find you. But Love to hear, love to hear what you said. If you want to hear more content, if you want us to focus on the Pants Dragoons episode, any ideas, just give us a shout. You can catch me at Super underscore D. You can catch James at the Sega Holic. You can catch us both at the Sega Guys. But until next time, we will see you on the Sega side. Sega. Sega.